Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Have you ever had anyone mistreat you, take advantage of you, drag your name through the mud? I think it's safe to say that most, if not all of us, have. Not fun, huh? Well, just forget about it, right? Um, sort of. There's this thing called forgiveness that Dr. Jennings, in his book, Could It Be This Simple?, says is essential to our success if we want to truly forget about it. But before we can forgive and forget, we have to overcome some powerful myths concerning forgiveness. What are they? Let's find out. This program is sponsored by Common Reason Ministries, and the good doctor joins us today via Skype. Okay, Dr. Jennings, let's talk forgiveness myths. How about this one? Forgiveness comes after the offending individual says they are sorry. Well, that would certainly make it easier, wouldn't you say, Dr. Jennings? This particular myth comes because people actually view right and wrong through a legal lens, Hmm. and Hmm. thus you can't forgive a criminal or pardon them if they haven't acknowledged what they've done is wrong and learned from it. And so this legal lens, so to speak, we have to hold accountability is part of the problem. And therefore, forgiveness and pardon, if you think in a legal sense, who benefits when the wrongdoer gets pardoned? In the legal world, the wrongdoer is the one who benefits. Yeah, yeah. Okay, And so the idea of forgiveness in a legal worldview makes people artificially think that forgiveness benefits the wrongdoer. The primary beneficiary of forgiveness is the victim. Hmm. The wrongdoer benefits through repentance. When the wrongdoer engages in an act of wrongness, a sin against somebody, they sear their own conscience, warp their heart, harden their character, they corrupt themselves, and they are damaged in that process. So the person who has been wronged, however, they will injure their own selves if they hold on to bitterness, hold on to resentment, hold on to anger, hold on to hatred. That is what hardens or hurts them, not the actual wrong that was done to them primarily. And therefore, the forgiveness frees the victim from the bitterness of holding all of those toxic emotions inside and changing and warping them over the course of time. And I've seen patients come to see me who were sent by family members because some wrong had been done to them some years before, and they never let it go. And they continued to be angry and bitter. And over the course of time, their pleasant, cheerful personality was changed to a disgruntled, unhappy, bitter person because they never let go a single but significant wrong that happened to them in the past. Until they could let that wrong go, it stole the joy out of their own heart, and they become unpleasant for their own family to be around. And so once they were able to to forgive in their own heart the person who wronged them, they were able to let go of their own toxic emotions and allow the joy and love of life to flow in their heart again, and they became a healthier and happier person. Well, that just folds right over into another myth that you mentioned in your book, Could It Be This Simple? Forgiving someone means that what that person did was okay. We don't want it to be okay, Dr. Jennings. We want that person to somehow recognize that they did us wrong. We want the world to know that they did us wrong. It's not okay. How do you deal with that myth? 
And that goes again, do you see the world through human law or do you see it through God's law? Mm -hmm. Through human law, these are rules that are made up. Mm -hmm. If somebody breaks your rule and you go, that's okay, I don't allow shoes in my house, but you wore them in anyway, that's okay. Then they have permission, they can wear the shoes in the house, it's okay. And that's how the uh, shoes in the house is just a made up rule. And if you get permission, then the rule doesn't apply. Many people view God's law this way, and sin is not this way. Sin would be like somebody coming to your house and you tell them, well, you're in my house. It's okay if you don't breathe. You can tie a plastic bag over your head in my house and you don't need to breathe here. Okay. No, that won't work. God's laws are the laws reality are built upon, and breaking them always damages the one who breaks them. And therefore, it's never okay. Sin is never okay. It's always wrong. Now, you in grace might forgive, but forgiving someone a wrong doesn't make the wrong a right. And in fact, if you think this through, not only is it wrong constructively in how God built reality to operate, it's always wrong, forgive it or not. Those people who put Christ on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they have done. Mm -hmm. It didn't make the crucifixion right. It's still wrong, but Mm -hmm. it's forgiven, but it's still wrong. Think this through. When do we ever forgive people for doing the right thing? Yeah, that's true. That's true. By definition, we only forgive wrong. So the act of forgiving doesn't turn a wrong into a right. It confirms that what was done was actually wrong. So that's another myth. Forgiving someone means it's okay. No, it's still wrong. It just means I'm not going to carry the toxicity around with me and be bitter for the rest of my life. Okay, well then, how do we forget? In my introduction, I mentioned, you know, forgive and forget. Is it possible to forget a wrongdoing after we've forgiven someone? So that's an interesting question because people will quote Bible verses like Isaiah 43, 25. I am the Lord. I am even him who blots out your sins and transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Or Hebrews 8, 12, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And then they will make this kind of theology based off of these passages that say, therefore, when we forgive, we must forget. As if the Bible is talking about memory in the sense of amnesia and awareness of history. Mm. It is not. Mm -hmm. The Bible is talking about remembering as far as relationship goes. And you can shoot down this myth. People talk about it all the time. And some people even teach when we get to heaven, there'll be no memory of the sins of the righteous because they've been confessed and erased from the memories in heaven. This is because people are afraid that if they get to heaven, that people will know their wickedness and that nobody would love them or like them there. It would be like, in heaven, will there be Bibles in heaven? Or when we're reading about David and Bathsheba, the angels go, you know what? I have no idea what they're talking about (laughs) because David confessed that and our memories have been erased. Uh, This is silliness. It doesn't work this way. But there is a way to understand what it actually means. And so I give this analogy. Imagine you have a first grader and your first grader stole, stole a cookie and lied about it. And uh, you, of course, love your first grader, and and you realize if intervention isn't brought to bear, then the the child may grow up developing character of a thief and a liar. And so you discipline and love. Now, think this through. When you see your first grader doing that, do you have an attitude of hostility and retribution, and you want to take vengeance upon them, and you need an intercessor to plead with you not to hurt this child? Or is, in fact, you're already forgiving toward the child, but you recognize the child is a problem, and in loving discipline, you discipline to bring the child to repentance. So which comes first, your forgiving attitude and loving desire to discipline and restore them, or their repentance? Well, clearly, your forgiveness comes first. And Likewise, God so loved the world, he sent his son. But he sent his son and intervenes to bring us to repentance. The kindness of God leads us to repentance, Romans chapter 3, verse 4. So 
here you forgive your child, you discipline your child, your child genuinely repents, cries, mommy, I'm so sorry, I'll never do it again, and there's hugs and kisses all around. That's called reconciliation. You've forgiven, you've disciplined, they've repented, there's been reconciliation. Now, tomorrow, having reconciled, it's gone, it's not between you anymore. When you see your child running up the sidewalk with a big smile after school to give you a hug, do you think, oh, here comes that little liar of mine? (laughs) No, no. no. (laughs) That's not what you think. As far as the relationship is concerned, it's forgotten. It doesn't come up anymore because it's gone. It's erased from the heart and the character of the child. Does that mean you have amnesia and you don't even remember that those events took place the day before? No. So amnesia doesn't occur. What happens is it can be forgotten as long as it's erased from the hearts of the person involved. And this is the only safe way that you can forget a wrong done to you is if there's genuine evidence that the person who committed the wrong has actually repented and it's no longer in their heart, mind, or character. In fact, they'd rather die than ever harm you again. Then you don't have to think about it anymore because the enemy has now been turned to a friend. But if it has not happened and they are sorry for the consequences, they're sorry they got caught, they're sorry they got punished, and they ask your forgiveness, but they really haven't changed their heart attitude, then you can't forget it because you'll just set yourself up to be taken advantage of again or hurt again. Dr. Jennings, what about those who think this way about God? When he looks at us and our imperfection and all of the bad we've done in the past and the sins that we've done in the past, he can look at us now with a smile on his face and say, look how far my child has come. Of course, he remembers the sin, but he knows also that we're not doing it anymore. We've grown from that. And even though he may remember the sin, he can say, wow, look how far he's come. What a wonderful child this is of mine. I love him so much. No, I don't think you would, Charles. I actually think that would actually misrepresent what actually happens. When he sees us, he doesn't actually say things like that. That would still be a backhanded slap and a reminder of how corrupt we were and the ugly things we did, and it would make us feel guilty and ashamed. I actually think it would be like your child running up this street and saying, wow, child, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad you're not a liar and a thief anymore. I'm glad you're home to give me a hug. That smile would fade off the child's face. Absolutely. I don't think he does that at all. I think we have time for one more myth, and that is forgiving means that the guilty person gets away with it. Dr. Jennings, does the guilty person get away with it? This goes back to how do you understand sin? Uh, Do you see it through a human legal lens? And if so, then it's just merely the act, and the act requires external accountability and external punishment. And therefore, if we forgive, then there is no accountability, there is no punishment, and they get away with it. That is the flaw of teaching God's kingdom through human government. It's a big lie. God's kingdom is the kingdom of reality. And any sin reacts upon the sinner, sears the conscience, hardens the heart, warps the character, damages the soul. Many of my patients don't understand this. And after they've been done wrong, They really struggle with forgiveness because they think if they do forgive, the person gets away with it. So I ask the question of somebody who's been raped or molested, and I will say, who do you think got damaged worse, you or your molester? And they will always say themselves. And I will say, so 
consider this scenario. God takes you to heaven and gives you one choice between two options. Option A, he's sending you back to earth exactly where he just took you from. No changes. You just continue living your life. Option B, he lets you trade lives with your molester, and you get to go around molesting kids, but no one molests you. Wow. Whose life would you choose? Wow. And they all choose their own. I said, well, what, what's the deal? I thought you got damaged worse, and, and the light goes off. And they realize when somebody sins against you, they can damage your, your body. They can damage your, your psychology. In other words, your emotions and, the way you, and some thoughts you have. They can damage your finances or reputation, but they can't damage your soul. Whenever you sin against somebody else, you sear your conscience, harden your heart, warp your character, corrupt your soul. And unless somebody genuinely comes to Jesus for restoration and cleansing of their soul, they get worse and worse and worse over the time to the point that they actually have no conviction anymore. There's no guilt in what they do. And they sleep like babies after doing evil. And sleeping like babies after doing evil is not an indication that they get away with it or they're not damaged. It's an indication of terrible, irreversible damage to their hearts, minds, and souls. So no one ever gets away with it. Wow. This has been an eye-opening program. And listener, I hope that you've enjoyed what Dr. Jennings has been saying here about forgiveness. We've been exploring, on this one right here, we've been exploring chapter 12 of the book, Could It Be This Simple? A Biblical Model for Healing the Mind. If you'd like to own your own print copy, you can find it on Amazon, but you can access the audio version for free by becoming a Common Reason member which is also free, just go to comeandreason.com and following the Become a Member instructions, membership is free, and as a member, you'll be able to access free resources like the audio version of Could It Be This Simple, the Remedy Bible, and much, much more. That's all at comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for clarifying this whole concept of forgiveness for us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, this program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>